that's our bumper. So hope you guys were ready for that. It's just a little like bass notes. <laughs> and then we'll do some high praise. How are we doing this morning, Transit? Woo! Fired up, huh? So New Year's was last week, right? And uh, so now we're like two, two weeks deep into to the new year. How's 2022 feeling? Okay, we got some excitement over this side of the room. How's this room, side of the room feeling? Yeah, okay, okay, strong, strong. So I won't make you shout too much more, but uh, it's exciting, right? We're into the new year, and uh, it's 2022, so whew, praise God, right? Anybody in here feel like just super pumped about 22, or anybody in here feel like maybe, like, uh, I just got out of 2021? Yeah, yeah, okay, so I'm going to go with uh, the latter answer, right? Uh, some of us are super pumped. Some of us, I mean... I don't know, you come into the, you round out the end of the year, right? Christmas is the end, and you got parties, you got presents, you got a lot of stuff going at the end of the year, and then you, you land into 2022, and you're like, I'm tired, right? Like, I think there's a little bit of fatigue that hits you at the end of the year that you're not, maybe not prepared for. My wife and I were talking about this, and we're like, man, it's crazy, but, uh, but the cool thing is, is we're a community, we're a family, right? Where some of us are filled up and full, we can kind of pour into others, and where some of us need a little bit of a love and lingering, that's why we're a family together, right? We come together so we can encourage and build up. We don't forsake the gathering of the brothers so we can encourage and stir each other up to love, right? So that's what we're doing here this morning. So um, I'm excited. Do you all enjoy praise and worship this morning? Super grateful for Brandon and the team. They just did a great job bringing us into the, to the throne room, to the presence of God. Uh, joining with angel choruses. You guys know that every time we sing praise, we're joining with a song that's already going on. Did you all know that? Okay, if you didn't, we'll be learning about it today, okay? That's what we're going to be talking about, okay? We're in this series of praise, and um, I'm excited. We're going to do five weeks on praise. So last week, Nick started us off. He's, he he kind of dug into this question, right? Why? Why? What's the why behind praise, right? So our, our what's and our how's, they change all the time, right? What I'm doing, right? My assignment, how I do it, right? These things are in constant flux, right? Right now, my what and why, my what and how kind of centers around my family, right? I've got three young kids. My what and how is going to look different, right? I'll, eventually, they'll be in college, and my what and how will kind of change, right? And I'll have different time and, and space to kind of the things that I do, right, and things I apply myself. But the thing that doesn't and has to remain consistent as a family is our why. Why do we gather, right, as the body of Christ? It's remained the same throughout the ages, right? It hasn't really changed. The reason we gather together is because we have a king and a creator who's worthy of worship and praise, right? So we gather together. That's why we get, that's the why. And it hasn't changed, right? From, from day one, he's worthy of praise. And he's worthy of worship and adoration. He's worthy of us coming together and giving him, right? So, so this morning we're going to be looking at some of the why, but, but Nick unpacked last week, right? Um, the why, right? Praise, and we'll go to our first slide. Just want to recap a couple of big ideas that Nick unpacked, and I felt like were really good just to kind of remind us of what, why we're talking about praise. So praise, first, it's about the heart, right? Jesus wants our hearts before he wants the praise that comes from our lips, right? Because out of the mouth, right, the heart speaks, right? So if he has our hearts, then what's coming out of our hearts is going to be exaltation to Jesus, right? So he wants our hearts first and foremost. And then number two, Nick unpacked this idea that we've been created to delight in God. And as we delight in him, the Father delights in us. We delight in him, he delights in us, right? We behold his beauty, he shines on us, and we reflect it back to him, right? The glory of God, right? I mean, it's, it's a lot there, but um, we've been created to delight in him. That's, that's, that's at our core, right? And so that's why we're all worshiping something. And I love Nick's analogy, right? He's like, there's no, there's no brake pedal when it comes to our worship and our adoration, right? It's just a gas pedal, and it's where we direct it. And where are we going to direct it, right? Are we going to direct it into, and Nick unpacked a lot of different things, right? So I'm not going to re- uh, preach Nick's sermon. He did a great job. And so uh, number three, or you know, one of the other points that I took away is, is God is most glorified in us when we are satisfied in him, right? So he created us to delight in him. And as we delight in him, 
right? God gets glory through our delighting in him. I don't understand it, but it's brilliant. Like he's, it's amazing, right? That he would create us to delight in him and then he gets glorified through us delighting in him, right? He doesn't force us to love him. He never will. God will never force us to love him. We got to get that. He doesn't like insert a chip, right? And like, I will love you. I will love you. I will. Like that's not going to, that's not how it works. God gives, he, there's this aspect of God where he's not going to demand that we love him, but he may create some circumstances whereby it's very opportune to love him. And he is, he's, he's throughout the history, right? He's, since, since the cross, right, he's, he's working this plan to remove those things that hinder love. And so this morning we're going to have an opportunity to kind of dig into that. So um, that said, I'm going to pray for us because we're going to dive into a couple things here. We're going to start, we're going to take this journey from Exodus and all the way to the end book of Revelation, and we'll, we'll even bounce back to Genesis a little bit this morning. But we're going to unpack this morning this question of where we go when we're, what are we entering into is kind of the question, right? Where, the, the place of praise. So Nick is talking about why. I'm going to talk about a little bit this morning the place of praise. And then over the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about the power in our praise and our exaltation of Jesus. And then we'll unpack like what that looks like, right? What's that, the practical application of what that looks like. And uh, so as we go into it this morning, we're going to look at a couple of different texts. Um, but before we go there, um, I just want us to, to just continue to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our midst this morning. So let's just, let's just quiet our hearts and just sit before the Lord for just a couple seconds here and just ask him to ignite in our hearts uh, just a, a revelation of, of the beauty of Jesus. So Jesus, I just come before you this morning humbly. Um, God, we just thank you that we get, to, we get to do this. We get to be on the journey with you. Thank you for your promises uh, that you never leave and forsake us. And Lord, we just, we just come before you putting truth around our waist, God. Well, the truth is that you never leave, you never forsake. Well, you don't stop being you. Lord, we just put on righteousness this morning over our hearts. Jesus, you are our righteousness. God, we just thank you for readiness that comes from you. Jesus, we're, we're ready to participate. And God, where we're not ready, I ask that you would equip our feet with readiness this morning. The gospel of peace. Lord, we just want to take up our shields of faith this morning. God, I ask for an increase in faith in this room. Lord, I ask that you would grant us the gift of faith, the assurance of, of things we hope for, God, the expectation of things we, we don't fully see yet, that you would extinguish the lies of the enemy this morning. God, I ask that you would clothe our minds, our hearts, our minds. Lord, we just put the sal salvation on our heads, God, to clothe our minds. Our minds would be renewed this morning. As we read your word, as we read your words, would it wash over us and renew us? And, and Lord, we just take up the sword, which is your word, the sword of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, guide us. Teach us. Show us how to pray your word. Show us how to remind us of, of what you say in your word about us, about you, about your kingdom, about what's going on. Holy Spirit, we surrender and submit this time to you. And God, we're expectant that you're going you're gonna to teach us something new this morning. You're going to reveal a new aspect of your beauty. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you. Come, grant us a work of the Spirit to love the Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so the question, what are we entering into? We're going to start in Exodus 7, verse 16. And that, actually, that one should be on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, flick them open, swipe them open, whatever you need to do. Um, but we're going to start here uh, because this is where Moses, it, God's speaking to Moses, and he's telling him to go before Pharaoh. 
And this is part of his response or challenge. This is what he's going to say to Pharaoh, right? So this is what God says to Moses. He says, then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me out to you, say to you, let my people go. And then we get the why. Why does God want his people, right? A cry has been rising up in Israel. They've been in slavery for like 400 years, pretty long time to be in slavery, right? And why? Why does God want them to come out of Egypt? Why does he bring them out of prison? Why does God deliver us, right? Question mark. So that, what? They may worship me in the wilderness. But until now, you have not listened. And so Pharaoh, right? He, he's not listening. And, and so, but this is the why, right? This is the why statement. Why does God deliver us? Why does God deliver his people? Why does he bring them out? So that what? They can worship, right? And that, that word worship can be, you know, other translations say, some of them say serve, right? It kind of takes us to that Romans 12 passage, right? Your, your act of worship, it's, it's offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, an offering, a worship, an act of worship. Some say service, right? It's that worship to the Lord, right? We're focusing our gaze, our lives, our, our breath and our lungs, everything that God's put in us and created us goes back to him. Does that make sense? Tracking with me. So this is kind of where it starts, right? And uh, I, I love, there's a couple of quotes digging through this week. I'm going to share a couple with you. Um, Edmund Clowney, he's a reformed uh, scholar, um, I think probably more in the cessationist camp. And he says this though about what this verse. He says, God had demanded of Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. God brings them out so that he might bring them, what, in, into his assembly to the great company of those who stand before his face. Because there's a, we're going to unpack this later, there's this massive company standing before Jesus' face and the Father. God's assembly at Sinai is therefore an immediate goal of Exodus, right? It takes them right into Sinai, right? They go to the mountain. And so, God brings his people into his presence so that they might, what? Hear his voice and worship him. The Israelites are a nation formed for worship, called to assemble in the courts of the Lord and to praise together the name of the Most High. So here in the beginning, God delivers his people. He brings them out, brings them to Mount Sinai for the purpose of what? Worship, right? To, to, to hear his voice and then to respond to him, a revelation of him. So fast forward to Exodus 19. So this is where you actually have to get your Bibles out. Okay, I'm going to make you get your Bibles out. Yep, do it, do it, do it. Exodus 19, or your phones, whatever medium. Uh, we're going to look at this real quick. Um, Israel at Mount Sinai. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to unpack a couple of things here. They arrive at Sinai, and God calls them to consecrate themselves, right? So he tells the people, consecrate yourselves, right? Like, get, get ready, right? Get your nice clothes on, right? Abstain from, um, we'll just read it. How about that? Does that work? Okay, so he says, and uh, we'll, we'll go to verse 10. The Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. So this is verse 10 of chapter 19 in Exodus. Let them wash their garments, right? Clean up and be ready for the third day. I love this, the third day, right? We see this parallel throughout scripture. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people and you shall set limits. So he's saying, put some fences around the mountain, okay? Set some limits. Get that caution tape out, right? Just imagine like, who's, who's got that job? He's got to caution tape the mountain, um, I don't want to be that guy. So, and you set limits for all the people saying, take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Imagine that, right? You, I mean, you got to be pretty like precise with that caution tape if you're that dude, because somebody goes past it and they hit the mountain, like they're dead. So that's on you, caution tape, man. And uh, so, so no hands shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot, whether man, beast or man, he shall not live. So the mountains, it's, it's a place of holy fear of God, right? And he says, when the trumpet sounds, the long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down to the mountain, the people, and consecrated the people, washed their garments, said, for my people, be ready for the third day. 
don't go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and what? Lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. The very loud trumpet blast that all the people in the camp, they did what? They trembled. Like this is a holy moment, right? It's terrifying. I, I, don't, I haven't been in front of too many mountains. I had one experience um, when I was, uh, I went out to, uh, I think it's called Pilot Mount, uh, Priest Mountain, somewhere over in the Shenandoah Valley out 64, right? And so I, was, I felt like the Lord just like, just come get away with me, seek me. And so I like had read a wilderness guide and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to hike the mountain. I didn't take a tent. I'm going to build my own shelter. I'm going to like, I did. I legit did. I took sticks and I built a little shelter, bed of leaves, had my sleeping bag. And, uh, and in that, that season, I was really meditating on Psalm 119. I had, I had made it my goal to memorize all of Psalm 119. And if you guys know Psalm 119, it's forever. It's like 100 verses, right? So, but I, I, I committed to it for, I think it was like probably like six months. I memorized this whole chapter of Psalm 119. And so I'm going up the mountain and I'm just, I'm reciting Psalm 119 as I'm walking. And I, I see these like deer run by and there's part in the Psalm 119 that talks about, you know, my feet, like, kind of like, like deer. And, and I was like, oh, the Lord's speaking to me. This is so powerful. And, uh, but then I'm like sitting there and all of a sudden this like dark storm front begins to set in. Like legit dark clouds, super scary. I'm just like, I'm like, this is going to be interesting. And, uh, but, but the Lord, it was just like, it was a special moment with the Lord where I could just see the storm on the horizon and the Lord just putting in me, he's like, my word is what will sustain you in the storm, right? You see it on the horizon. It doesn't look pretty. It looks a little scary, right? And so I, I, I just, I, I remember that as we're talking here because I think about the Lord, he wants to speak to his people. That's what he said. He said, I'm bringing you out so that you can worship me and so that I can speak to you. And so I think the reason that God calls us into consecration and out to worship him is so that he can put his word inside of us so that in seasons and storms to come, it'll sustain us. And so we need that revelation of his majesty, of his holy fear of God inside of us. And so I just remember I, I did, I built a shelter. It was brilliant. The Lord met with me. It was a cool time. It was only 24 hours. It's about all I could handle out there in the wilderness. And, uh, but, but, but again, the Lord brings us out into the wilderness, right, to reveal his majesty. And it's terrifying sometimes. And it's also beautiful and brilliant, right? There's, and so we're going to get, we're, I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself. But uh, the, the idea, right, that it is, it is, he shows up with clouds and lightning and smoke. He descends on the mountain with fire. The trumpets are growing louder, right? God comes down on the mountain to speak with his people. And then what does he do? He delivers them what? The Ten Commandments, right? He gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them instructions about his tabernacle. The old covenant order of worship is established where people can begin to draw near to God, but in a limited way, right? So you, you, I just want to unpack what happens back in the Old Testament. So you all tracking with me? Are we tracking? Okay. If anybody's not tracking with me, just raise your hand. All right. You're with me. Okay. Good, good, good. And so then we see the community, they're, un, they're able to enter to a point, right? So there are limitations. And so I think the beautiful thing is if we fast forward um, into the new covenant, right? Jesus comes, right? He does what no man can do. He fulfills the law in its entirety, right? And then what? We've unpacked this whole Acts series over the last year, right? Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. And so now we have the living God living in us. And so he's created a way for us to enter in. And Hebrews 9, it talks about we can come boldly before his throne now because of the blood of Jesus, right? So the blood makes a way, and uh, that's the beauty of the gospel. So in the new covenant as believers, we have this amazing, amazing privilege of not being limited, right? We can enter in fully and boldly because of our own good works. Y'all better hear a no, right? 
because of the blood of Jesus. And so let's fast forward. Hebrews chapter 10, just real quick. We're going to take a look at this verse. I love it. And this is, I feel like, um, an exhortation and encouragement to us this morning in the room. Um, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And I don't have this on the screen. So again, make notes, flick around your Bibles, get, get those pages opened up, right? Let that leather, uh, let that leather get opened up. Therefore, brothers, in verse 19, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his, what? Flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw, what? Near. And what's the promise as we draw near in James that Nick unpacked for us last week? That he will, what? Draw near to us. Yeah. Come on, this is a dialogue. This isn't this is, we're working together on this as a family. And so we draw near to him, right? Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is what? Faithful. And let us conster, consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. And so we get to draw near to him. And it's through the blood of Jesus we get to come. And this is the place we're gonna come into. So we're going to fast forward in Hebrews, two more chapters. I'm, everybody got their seatbelts on because I know we're moving a little fast this morning. So if we hit a speed bump, just be ready, right? So ready? Hebrews chapter 12. We fast forward two chapters, right? We have this beautiful chapter where uh, we unpack all the faith of our fathers, right? And then in verse 1 of, of Hebrews chapter 12, it says we're surrounded by what? A cloud of what? Witnesses, right? So we have this cloud of witnesses surrounding us, saints throughout the ages following Jesus. And so we fast forward all the way to verse 19. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 19. I put this one on the screen for you. It's uh, help you out a little bit, right? So I'm just going to read through this and let's unpack a couple things here. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them because they couldn't endure the order that was given if even a beast touches the mountain. So we just talked about it, right? Caution tape, dude. He's like, guys, <laughs> that's, that's the image that you're probably going to take away with you today, right? And it shall be stoned. So it wasn't God striking it dead. It was the other people in the, I mean, think about that for a minute, right? That's kind of scary. And I tremble with fear, says Moses, right? So we just unpack this, right? Exodus 19, Exodus chapter 7. This was the scene. This is what it was, right? But... Verse 22, because of Jesus, Hebrews 10, we just unpacked that, right? You're all tracking with me? I know we're moving fast, but, but I, there's a lot I think that God wants to deposit in our hearts this morning. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable, other translations say myriads of angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And who? To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Praise God for that blood. Whew. So this is what we get to come into, right? Moses trembled with fear, but I love Moses. Exodus 34, write that down in your notes. Go read Exodus 34 later. Moses, he didn't stop. Even though he trembled with fear, the presence of a holy God, in Exodus 34, we still see Moses say, if you're not going to go with us, I ain't going, number one. And then number two, tell me who's going to go with us. And then he says, show me your glory. And I think sometimes in our hearts somewhere, we feel like we can't ask God to see his glory. But guess what, church? We've got the blood 
covering us. It's sprinkled over us. We can come timidly before the throne, boldly, right? We have confidence. We have confidence, full assurance of faith that I, be- I become before the throne of God. He's not going to smite me dead, right? Because of Jesus' work in me, I can come before the throne of God, the throne of heaven. And we're going to unpack what that throne room looks like in a little bit. But I just want to highlight a couple of things here. We're not just drawing near to a physical place, right? We come into this room, right? We come in here on Sundays. We gather. We're singing praise. Praise isn't just like the warm-up. That praise is we're in it, right? We're in it from the, the moment we start that first chord and first song. We're entering into a place of adoring and worshiping and, and magnifying God. And we'll unpack what, that, what, that, uh, what the power that brings with it. But this is where we're entering into. We're entering into the city of a dead God a living God. He is alive. So we're entering into that place of a living God, right? A heavenly Jerusalem. Just imagine innumerable angels in a festal gathering, massive amounts, myriads. That's what we're entering into. I know it's hard to believe, right? Because we can't see it. I can't physically see all the angels right now. Can anyone else in this room? There might be some of you, right? Um, some of yeah. I've, I mean, I, I've only had one instance in my life where God has revealed to me the presence of an angel, and it was scary. Not everybody has those experiences. Okay, but just ask. Lord, open my eyes, right? Assembly of the firstborn enrolled in the heavens. These are the saints. These are that cloud of witnesses we just talked about, right? They're all there worshiping the king. And we're going to, I'm excited. God, he's the judge of all. He's right there. And I like how it highlights he's the judge of all because who did he judge that we might be there? Jesus, right? He judged, he put all his judgment and wrath on Jesus and then we get to enter into Jesus' blood sprinkled. And so now we get to come before the judge. Whereas before, we're deemed right. They have to, it's that mountain scene, right? The caution tape. We go too far past it, and he judges us unholy, and we're, we're smoked, if you will. The spirits of the righteous made perfect. These are saints and believers throughout the ages. Jesus is there, the mediator of this new covenant. And what does Jesus look like there? Pause. We'll get back to that question sprinkled blood. So Grudem in his theological textbook, which is thousands of pages thick, which I went through a couple of theology classes and still marvel at how somebody could write that many pages. Um, but Grudem writes, he says on page 1008, if you're interested, um, this is, the, and you can fast forward, okay? You don't have to read the whole thing to get to this page 1008. I'm going to give you a little snippet. This is the reality of new covenant worship. It actually is worship where? In the presence of God, though we do not now see him with our physical eyes, right? And nor do we see those angels. I don't physically see him, right? Gathered around his throne or the spirits of believers who've gone before who are now worshiping in God's presence. So I may not see them with my physical eyes, but it's all there, church. It is all there and it's all real. And he writes, it's more real and more permanent than the what? Physical creation we see around us. This is happening right now. It's happening, and it's real, and it's so hard, right? Because our eyes, we can only see what's in front of us, right? And we grow up hearing humanistic, rational, right, philosophies, right? If I can't see it, then I don't believe it. Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's a lot you don't get to see until we're on the other side that you have to believe in faith, right? Like, I don't see Jesus, yet I believe through faith that he died on that cross and that I can enter in, right? I don't, see, I don't see all these stories. I didn't get to see all these. I wasn't privy to all these stories, right? But, but he's there. He's real. He's very present. And as we enter into this place, it's through what? What? 
It's a five-letter word. It starts with an F. Faith, right? It's through faith. And so that's what we need, faith. It is a gift from who? God. We need that faith stirred in our hearts. And so I, I just, let's stop for just a second. Just I sense the Spirit of God all over this. God, I just ask that you would grant us a gift of faith this morning. God, to see the things that we can't see, and even if we can't see them, God, to believe you that they're true. Because your word is true. It's perfect. And what you say in your word is true. God, would you just release faith right now in our hearts to believe that what you say is actually true. And Lord, wherever we're wrestling with something that we don't quite understand, Lord, would you align our hearts to believe it? Because your word isn't untrue. And so God, where our hearts need to be aligned, God, would you grant us faith? God, would you grant us faith, fresh faith? The Lord loves to give good gifts to his kids. Amen. Sorry, I'm just going to stop. Is that all right? Faith, right? It's not something we get on our own. It's a gift from the Lord. So here's our box of tissues. You guys mind? I'm just going to grab a little one. should probably keep this closer to the podium. Faith. There's one more quote I want to read to us. It says, the gospel call, this is Clowney, this is our, our buddy. There it is. The gospel call to worship, to turn from sin, to call upon the name of the Lord in our worship in Christ church. We approach the throne of God, the judge of all. We enter into the festal assembly of the saints with angels. And he says this, reverent corporate worship then is not what optional for the church. Rather, it brings to expression the very being of the church. I guess that part's not up there, but I just want to read this statement to you. It manifests the earth, the reality of the heavenly symbol. So when we come to God in reverent corporate worship, we're manifesting what's happening in heaven right here, right? Because we are the saints, right? We're connected with the, 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 the elders, right? And we're going to unpack this in Revelation 4 and 5 a little bit this morning. We've got about 15 to 17 minutes, okay? So you all with me? Okay, so we have this snapshot, right, of what we're being invited into. Hebrews 12 helps us unpack that. Um, Exodus 19, right? We've got a, we don't have, we can kind of remove the caution tape and we can come in now because of the blood of who? Jesus. I'm just going to keep asking these questions because it's, it's got to get in our hearts. And so in Revelation 4 and 5, John receives this revelation. In 4, he receives a revelation of the Father. In chapter 5, he receives a revelation of the Son. So these two chapters, probably the most content and material on the beauty realm of God, as you could put it. It's, it's beautiful. And John gets this revelation, and it starts off in verse 1. It says that, that a door is opened. So Revelation 4. Look at Revelation 4 and 5. That's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. And um, it has more content about the beauty of what's going on. And, and uh, in Psalm 96, verse 6, it says, Splendor and majesty are before his throne. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary, right? David gets this revelation of what is going on in heaven, but he gets like two sentences. And then John comes along. Who is John? You guys know who John was? He's the disciple, right? He was boiled in oil a couple times. Couldn't kill him, put him on an island, right? John was probably what most scholars would say, Jesus' best friend, right? Who did Peter ask, right? When they were like, Jesus like, somebody's going to betray me. I'm like, I'm not asking. Like, Andrew, you asking? No, I'm not asking. Hey, hey, ask, ask John, right? John's, John's tight with Jesus. And so what do they do? They ask the disciple that he what? Loved, right? His head's leaning back on Jesus. 
and Jesus trusted him. He had this friendship element going on, right? And so John's like, hey, so Jesus, who's going to betray us? Like, who's going to betray you? And, and Jesus trusts him, right? He shares the information, right? The one who I dip in the cup, right? This bread with me, and then Judas, and then Judas goes. So John has this beautiful friendship with Jesus, which is why I think John gets this revelation from Jesus, right? It's not revelations, it's revelation, right? He gets a revelation of Jesus. Chapter one, there's like 24 elements of Jesus' beauty, who he is. Revelation two and three, right? It's the letter to the seven churches, exhortation to the churches, right? Revelation four and five, we see the beauty realm of God opened up. John gets like front row seats to what is actually going on in heaven. And so we're going to unpack this this morning a little bit. Um, We're not going to get too deep into some of this as a we're just going to focus on the beauty of God because what, what happens when we behold something? And you can answer this question. What happens when we look at something over and 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 over, and over again? We become like that thing we're looking at, right? That's, 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 that's what worship is, right? We look at it and we keep our eyes fixed on it and we begin to slowly over time become more and more like it, right? If I, if I worship, um, I mean, it's kind of bizarre, right? But if I'm always looking at this thing, right, to bring me joint satisfaction, I'm worshiping my phone, I begin to become a little duller, right? Like I can't even remember the meaning of a word anymore, how to spell it, right? Not, no knock. We've all done it, right? Hey, Siri, tell me how to spell, right? Um, but like the things we behold, right? If I just always constantly thinking about in my mind what the next thing I'm going to eat and how delicious it's going to be, right? Like there's an outcome that happens, Right? And so those things that we behold are the things that we become like, right? And, and Paul unpacks this in first, 2 Corinthians 3, if you want to dig more into it. But what, what John beholds, there's this door that's open up. So verse 1, it says, After this I looked, behold, and a door was standing open heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a what? Trumpet. So we got trumpets all out, right? Voices sounded like trumpets, very distinct, right? He says, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald. Around the throne were 24 elders, 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. So we see this beautiful picture. There's four elements we see right here in these first seven verses. I encourage you to go unpack them. I'm just going to list them off right here, okay? So take some notes. There's four elements of beauty we see highlighted here in verses one through seven. I'm just going to spend a, a second on each one. God's person. We see the beauty of God's person. His appearance, right? It's this crystal-like appearance. And yet there's this stone called the Sardius stone. It's like a red stone. So just imagine with me like a red, fiery stone, right? Well, we see this on the mountain, right? like a fire, right? He comes down, right? God is an all-consuming what? Fire, right? This fiery presence of God, this red emanating, and yet there's this crystal-like clarity to it, right? It's beautiful, the person of God. And then what's over his throne? What does it say? Rainbow. It's this emerald rainbow, but I got to imagine there's other colors mixed in there, right? But this emerald, this green is probably emanating the most. And what is a rainbow? What do we know about the rainbow? Yeah, it's his promise. What? It's his tender mercy, right? Never again will I do this. This is what the earth deserves, but I will not give them what they deserve. That's the mercy of God. That's the tender promise of that rainbow. Where is it at? It's over his throne. It's the tenderness and mercy of God in the midst of a God who, Isaiah 33, write this down. Isaiah 33, go read the chapter. Verse 17, he says, 
Who can dwell with the everlasting burnings? Who can dwell with the all-consuming fire? Who? Who gets to dwell with him now? We do. We get to come into the presence of the everlasting burning, who, like fire, clarity like a crystal, but the mercy rainbow of God over his throne, the beauty of God's person. You can unpack that for like a couple months, right? God's people. So that's the next thing we see, the beauty of God's people. How are they? How does he describe the people that he sees? The elders, right? Most commentaries, 90% of them, the elders are people. They're humans, human beings, right? They're not angels. They're, they're above angels, right? Slightly above the angels, right? That's how he describes our, us in created order. We can, you can unpack that more. But they're clothed in what? White, pure, white robes. That just makes me feel comfortable right now just thinking about it. Like, man, beautiful, right? They're in, where are they? Since there's 24 thrones, and where are they sitting? So where are we sitting? We're enthroned, right? It says that we're seated with where? With who? Christ. In where? Heavenly places. We are, like the elders, enthroned with Christ. That's, that's our identity. Press into that, right? It's beautiful. And what are they? What are they? They're sitting on these thrones, and what are they? they they're crowned. Why are they crowned? I keep asking the Lord the same question. Why do you crowd us? Right? Why do, why do you? Why? How is that even possible that we get to sit in the place of authority with you, Jesus, and that you give us a crown of beauty instead of ashes? Right? Isaiah 61. Our lives, ashes. Can you, have you ever seen ashes? Like they blow away with the wind. You can't piece them back together. Like, I can't piece ashes back together. And yet, instead of ashes, he gives us beauty. He crowns us with beauty. They got these golden, valuable, I don't know, like, you name it. Like, the most beautiful crown. Just imagine it. On their heads, they've got these crowns. The, The beauty of God's power. We saw it in Exodus 19. We see it throughout Scripture, right? Lightning strikes. Boom! Thank God I've never been hit by lightning. Nick shared his testimony where he was driving, lightning struck right next to him about, you know, had to change his pants kind of thing, right? That moment, hope you don't mind me sharing, Nick. That was a uh, men's Bible study uh, 101. So you, that's a plug for the men's Bible study. If you come on Wednesdays, you get to hear all kinds of awesome stories. And I uh, love you, Nick. We're brothers. And, uh, and I probably would have done the exact same thing, right? But thunder, right? Thunder. Every time it thunders, I hear feet pattering into our room, <laughs> right? It's scary, we forget, right, because now we're older. But when I was a kid, right, I, I got kids now. It reminds me. Like, thunder is scary. It is, it is scary. And if, you know, if you're inside of a house, like, right, it's a little less scary. But just get outside for a few minutes while it's thundering. Like, that's a little bit scary, right? And yet it's powerful, right? It's the beauty of God's power. And we hear this voice like a trumpet, right? And the Spirit's presence. He describes it as lamps on a sea of glass, living creatures. We're not going to unpack living creatures more. Don't worry. But they got eyes everywhere. And the kids, they ask, do they have eyes everywhere? And they do have eyes everywhere. And uh, another, another topic, right? But these lamps, I, I really feel like the, this lamps and this glass of sea, this sea of glass, these lamps, they're not just like, like I'm holding a torch. Like think more like desert wilderness, fire by night, pillars of fire right? Going up. Again, this is, this, is, this is more, maybe a little bit more opinion, but think about the examples of fire we have throughout scripture and what guided, what was guiding the Israelites throughout the desert. 
It was the Spirit of God, right? Manifesting in a glory cloud, a pillar of fire by night. Imagine just seven of these. Because this is, this is massive. I think I get this little box, right? Because I'm in this room and I'm like, okay, this is about the size of it. No, like sea of glass. Like sea. Can you see to the edge of the horizon of a sea when you're at the beach? No, you can't because our earth is round. Um, but it's massively vast and it's glass-like. And Ezekiel, write this one down. Go read Ezekiel chapter 1. That'll blow your mind. Ezekiel 1, 22. He says, I looked up and he's seeing the four living creatures and he sees this like clear crystal sea. And, and then this is a sweet discovery. Go unpack this, Exodus 24. I'm giving you some scriptures. This is, gonna, this, is, this is this week, okay? I want people to come back and be like, I never saw that before, okay? Go write this down, Exodus 24. Go read the chapter. Moses and the 70 elders get called up by God to go to the mountain. And guess what happens? Appears underneath their feet like sapphire. It's a crystal blue-like. It was as if there was beneath their feet this crystal-like substance. So crazy. But go read it, Exodus 24, right? And, and what happens? It says they beheld the Lord. He didn't kill them, and they ate and drank, right? So there's this, these elements of heaven throughout Scripture, but Revelation, John's getting uh, the beauty realm of God. How beautiful is that? Does that give you, like, fresh things to think about when you come into worship or when you come into reading the Word of God? This is where we get to enter into by the blood of Jesus. And so we see here in verse 8, it says, I think this is on the slide, right? And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings. If you're wondering where they, Isaiah saw them in Isaiah chapter 6. Ezekiel sees them in Ezekiel chapter 1. So there's other references you can go look up. Go study the word. Let's be a Bereans, right? They're full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, and night and day, they never cease to say, what do we, what does they say? Over and over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. They don't stop saying this, haven't stopped saying this, won't stop saying this. Holy, 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 you're pure, Father. Remember, they're looking at the Father. He's on the throne. This is the one who's on the throne. He's, it's the Father. Go to Daniel chapter 7. The Ancient of Days was seated on the throne. The Son of Man approached him. Right? This is the Father. He is brilliant, beautiful, merciful, but he is holy other than. He is uncreated. He is holy, holy, holy. The angels, they can't stop saying it. The, the living creatures have eyes all over them. And they're like, why do they have eyes all over them? I think it's because the eye like sees and closes and they just keep like shutting down and restarting and shutting down and restarting. Like, right, you overload the system and what happens is just like, and then they boot back up and all the eyes open up again. They see, G, they see the father and then they open up again. And like, there's four of them. So they always sing. And that because they're always seeing, they're always declaring what? Holy, holy. Because when we see God, we see his beauty, we see his holiness, that just comes right out of my mouth. He's holy, right? He's holy other than. He is set apart. He's pure, right? And he's the one who what? Is. Who, the one who was, right? He's uncreated. He is and he is to come. He's coming. He is coming. The Father is coming. Jesus came. He went to be with the Father. He said, I'm going to come back on the clouds, right? Jesus will come, and he'll prepare for the Father to come. Because what's been the Father's heart from the beginning? To dwell with his people fully, right? And we'll get resurrected bodies, so we'll be in his, his presence. There's a lot of stuff there. I'm not going to dig too deep. But just know, the Father, whew, he's, he's to come still. Like, we still, there's still more. 
There's still more. I think some of us need to hear that this morning. There's still more. There's not a single moment where we stop pressing in for more, church. And, and sometimes I feel like we get to this place where we're like, I'm good, right? I'm coasting. I'm in like sixth gear. I can't get another gear in my shifter. Guess what? Holy Spirit's got like unlimited gears. So he can drop it into seventh and back up to eighth and ninth and keep going and cranking and cranking and cranking because he doesn't stop. There's, there's always more. So let's keep pressing in for more. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up here. We've got about four or five minutes. Sound good? Are we tracking? Are we good? So, whew. This is good, right? Have you, when was the last time you all read Revelation 4 and 5 and were able to unpack some of this? This is good, right? It's a refresher. There's a blessing when you read this book, it says in chapter 1. So read it. Read it with your kids. Read it out loud. They'll ask you a billion questions. That's my favorite thing about reading this stuff. So we see a response. When the elders, the, the living creatures, they fall, right? They never cease to say, holy, holy, holy. And in verse 9, it says, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor, thanks to him who's seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, remember, these saints, these pictures of saints, right? They fall down before him. So they, they willfully come down, right? They're seated in a throne. They have authority. They have a crown. And yet what do they do with it when they see the holiness of the Father? They, they fall down. They get on their knees. And like, this crown you gave to me, this authority, I, I want to give it back to you, Jesus. Back to you, Father, right? They see the Father. They say, this is what you gave to me. I'm, I'm giving it back to you because I see your holy other thanness, Right? And so then John, he says he sees again. I love John because he looked, I saw, behold. There's a lot to do with our eyes, right? Does that make sense? Because one, one day we will see him with our actual eyes. And the waiting will be over. Woo. I saw at the right hand who was seated on the throne a scroll and written on the back sealed with seven seals. So he sees this scroll. I saw a mighty angel. I don't know of any angels that aren't mighty, right? proclaiming with a loud voice, who's worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth. So he searches, heavens, there's no man worthy. Earth, right? No president, no leader, no political, no financial guru, right? No wise king. No one's worthy on the earth. He searches under the earth, right? Shale, the, the grave, right? He goes down like, who's dead that could do this? No one, no one. And John, Jesus' best friend, begins to weep loudly because nobody was found worthy. And then one of the elders comes up to him and says, hey, don't stop weeping. Behold, look, 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 behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. How is Jesus the root of David and yet the son of David? Explain that one to me, huh? He's conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures, so John begins to look. And remember that throne, right? Emerald, right? Lightning, flashes of thunder. There's the elders surrounding it. He looks, and in between the elders and the throne, he sees what? What does he see? A lamb standing as though what? It had been slain. He's not on a horse. He's not showing up with, like, might and power. How does Jesus show up in the throne room of heaven? As a lamb who is slain. Like, he's still got the bloody wound, Right? A lamb who was slain. He shows up as a servant. Y'all with me? I get excited about this. Because the lamb who, he shows up as the servant and he has seven horns. Horns is a symbol of power. And he has seven eyes, all wisdom. The seven spirits of God are there, right? Go Isaiah 11, verse 2. You can unpack the seven spirits of God if you want some further study. And he went and he took the what? The scroll. 
who took it. Imagine a man going up to the Father God and throne and taking the scroll. And why could he take the scroll? Scroll's just the, it's the title deed of earth, right? Genesis 1, Adam says, Satan, here you go. I send, here's the title deed of earth. Jesus comes back, he's the greater Adam. Jesus comes, his first coming, excuse me. He's the greater Adam. He fulfills what Adam couldn't do. And now he is in heaven, right? He approaches the Ancient of Days and he takes the what? The scroll, the title deed of earth. The authority is given back to Jesus because he paid for it in what? And what do they sing? What do they sing? It says the 24 elders fall down, verse 8, before the lamb, each holding what? So they got some musical talent. And golden bowls full of what? Incense. These are the prayers of the saints. So every prayer we pray, it's being poured into a bowl. That, that'll encourage you to pray, right? Your prayers don't go unnoticed. The prayers we pray, they're going before the king. And they sang what? A new song. Saying what? Worthy are you to take what? The scroll and to open its seals. The, the plan, right? The tality of earth, this is the plan. The father has a plan. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a what? A kingdom of priests, right? That they shall reign on the earth. There's so much here. We're just going to keep going. Then I looked again. He's looking. I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice. What do they say? Worthy is the lamb who is slain. Worthy is the lamb who is slain. So we transition, right, from beholding the beauty of the Father and then all the attention in heaven turns to who? The beauty of Jesus. We see his beauty revealed in his servant-like posture. He comes as a servant king. He doesn't come to just smash us on the head, right? Now there will be a moment, right, where he steps into history and he judges perfectly because he's the only one who's what? Worthy to, to, to judge. He's the only one who's worthy to judge. He's the only one to take the scroll, the plan from the Father, and make it happen. And so, band, you can come on up. We've reached our, our 1048 moment. So come on up here, band. But there's, there's three things I just want us to think about as we go away. And I've already mentioned these, but these are kind of like the big ideas for this morning, if you will. One, what we are entering into is eternal. So this has been going on, it will be going on, and it will never stop. This is what we're entering into, right? And there's more than just, like, I'm packing the sea of glass. I'm packing this imagery before the throne. This is what we're entering into. And there's more to come. But this is, this is, where, we're, this is where we're entering into today. And this is... These are my parameters. These are my, this is my caution tape, okay? Um, when we're entering into, it requires childlike faith, right? Jesus said, like the disciples were like, get the children away. And what did Jesus say? He said, bring the children to me. And he's like, if you don't have faith like a child, you can't, you can't enter in. And so this takes childlike faith, right? Because we in our adult minds and heads, we're like, oh, this is all just imagery and symbolism. It is not. This is, this is a reality. This is literally happening in heaven. There are 24 thrones. I don't know who gets to sit on I don't know, you know. Again, there is a lamb who is slain. He's there. There's a scroll. He's taking the scroll. Like this is, this is, this isn't just like pretty pictures. Although it is beautiful, right? What we're entering into is beauty beyond compare. Nothing compares with this. Nothing compares with the beauty of the father and the beauty of the son and the honor that he bestows upon the son. And so how do they respond? It says, worthy is the lamb who was what? Slain. To receive what? Power. All power is his. All wealth. 
right? All our riches. He's worthy of us giving those things to him. And that word worthy, I'm just going to end with this. Worthy and worth is essentially value. And I'm totally still on this. Value is what? It's quality. How good is it, right? You ordered that thing off Amazon. Does it show up? Is it actually what you ordered? Is the picture right? Right? It's quality. It lasts. Quantity, there's how many, how many lambs slain are there that are worthy to take the scroll? There's only one. He's rare. So he's worthy because he's, the quantity is low. There's only one Jesus, right? And then value over time, right? right gold, right? You invest in gold. It's a worthy investment because it, what, it holds its value over time. Jesus is worthy of our wealth, of our honor, it says, of our power, of the wisdom in our minds, of our might and strength. Any honor, glory, and blessing we get, he's, he's what? He's worthy of it. So this morning, uh, the band's just going to sing. We're going to sing a song, and then, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll take communion. But um, yeah, let's just let's stop there for a minute and just... You don't have to stand and sing. Just, I, I encourage you even maybe just to sit and sing. We're going to sing a song that kind of unpacks that beauty realm of God. But just, I would ask you this. Ask Holy Spirit along the lines of Ephesians 1.7, would you give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation this morning? Would you enlighten the eyes of my heart? Would you open up the eyes of my heart that I might be able to see what John saw, to see what's actually going on in the heavenly place? And just ask God, hey, what, does that, what does that crystal sea look like? Expand my thoughts. You know, what do those seven torches look like? What's going on? Because as we behold the beauty, we become like it. And we sang a song this morning. This is the last thing I'm going to say. Almost, right? Hold me, right? He was talking about, like, you will hold me fast. And I asked the Lord, I said, how do you hold us fast? The Lord holds us fast with a revelation of his beauty. Because when we see something beautiful and lovely, and he pours out his love on us, I, I don't want to go away from it. And so if we can have a fresh revelation of his beauty this morning, I think we'll find ourselves being held faster and closer to Jesus as we behold his beauty. So go with me. Yeah, let's enter into worship for a few minutes here. Let's sing his praise that he's due. And, uh, but also just sit, meditate, ask the Lord for a fresh revelation. And uh, Holy Spirit, we just invite you. Uh, you're here. But we ask that you would increase our awareness of your presence and that you would have more of us. As we worship, as we sing this song, God, just about the revelation of your beauty. God, would you give us a fresh revelation of the Father? Would you give us a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ, the beautiful one, the Lamb who is slain? We love you. We love you, Jesus.